What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the first episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Mayolari. To start off, a few things about me. I'm a rising senior at Boston College. Um, and I've always had a deep passion for sports, and there's nothing more I love talking about than what is going on in the sports landscape each and every day. Um, I have a sports radio show actually at BC with my roommate, Zach. Uh, it's on Spotify and YouTube. It's called The Playbook with Joey and Zach. I plan on using this podcast uh, the Primetime Sports Podcast over the summer as a weekly rundown of happenings within the world of sports um, and hope to have some featured guests come on as well um, for special episodes to talk about Boston sports, uh, definitely Northeastern University sports. Um, I know some of you definitely know uh, I'm a big fan of Northeastern sports um, in the four major sport, uh, sports leagues as well, the NBA, MLB, NFL, and NHL. Um, I'm psyched to be able to talk about uh, how well the Red Sox have been playing over the past week or so. Uh, the Celtics obviously just had a big game four win over the Miami Heat to tie the series up at 2-2. Um, and I'm psyched to be able to talk about the NFL coming up uh, just two or three months away now uh, from uh, the preseason and uh, training camp. So I'm psyched to be able to talk about uh, all four major sports leagues um, and, and thrilled I have this opportunity to have my own podcast over the summer to uh, highlight all of those. Uh, to start off, going to start off with the Red Sox. Uh, the Red Sox are 9-3 over their last 12 games. They just finished off a 6-1 record um, over this recent uh, homestand. Um, I feel like that's really starting to turn a corner. Uh, like Rob Bradford said on his Twitter on Sunday, save your ticket stubs. Uh, he's 100% right. Uh, the Red Sox, as I said, 9-3 over the last 12 games. Uh, they have a three-game series now with Cincinnati. Uh, excuse me, with Chicago, the Chicago White Sox. And then they go play Cincinnati and Baltimore um, after this upcoming series in Chicago. Uh, Baltimore, actually, you know, I, I know that they're a weaker team, but uh, they have had three walk-off wins in their last five games and have taken four of their last five games. They've won all four of their last five. So uh, they just finished off uh, a series with Tampa Bay. They took two out of three from them. They had a series with the Yankees um, at the end of last week uh, and took game, I think it was game four it was. Uh, they beat them on Thursday. They beat the Yankees. Um, so I think they only took one out of four there. Uh, but then they took two out of three from Tampa Bay and then just beat the Yankees again last night, six to four. So they've won four out of their last five games. Um, I do like the Orioles to a certain extent. I do love Cedric Mullins. Big fan of Trey Mancini. Trey Mancini's had a great season. He's hit 303 on the year. Um, so looking forward to seeing the Red Sox, obviously, uh, play a few weaker teams. But Cincinnati, obviously, one of the they start off the season as one of the worst uh, teams in the history of baseball almost uh, through the first month of the season. But Baltimore, obviously a weaker team, but they have been playing better of late. So uh, we'll see how that goes for the Red Sox. The biggest storyline for the Red Sox actually is Trevor Story. Um, 9-3, obviously a huge record over the last 12 games. Uh, great way to turn the season around. But Trevor Story has been the biggest storyline of the Red Sox. Five home runs in the last four games. He became just the second baseman, the first second baseman in MLB history to hit three home runs and steal base in the same game. Um, he's a big reason the Red Sox uh, have really turned things around over the past week. Um, it really started to turn around things around. The Red Sox really started to turn things around uh, last week when they took two out of three from Houston. The Astros are a really good team. They've always given the Red Sox some trouble. Uh, the Red Sox had a huge win last Wednesday night with Pavetta, Nick Pavetta, returning to his uh, early 2021 season form. Uh, he went nine innings, only allowed two hits, walked zero guys, allowed one earned run. Earned run. It was a home run to Jose Altuve in the 10th pitch of the first at-bat of the game. Um, so obviously 10 pitches, uh, you like to hit his chances. Um, to guess, you know, fastball is coming at some point, and Altuve turned on, hit a home run. Eight strikeouts, though, 
uh, for Nick Pavetta in that performance. Nine innings, two hits, no walks, one earned run, eight strikeouts. Um, so he pitched really well in Wednesday, giving the Red Sox um, a great boost uh, on the mound. The Red Sox really needed that. Um, and then Thursday, uh, the series opened with the Seattle Mariners. Everything came together for the Red Sox. Um, J.D. Martinez, who actually just missed Sunday's game, uh, this past Sunday's game with back spasms, went 4-5 in that Thursday night game. Um, Alex Redugo, who has been struggling um, early this season, uh, went 3-5 in his five at-bats. Um, he scored three runs. Great to see him hit, him hitting home plate. Uh, he's a big reason the Red Sox offense has been playing so well over the last two seasons. So the Red Sox really need him to get going again. Um, the Trevor Story, as I said, was a story of, of that game. Uh, hitting three home runs uh, in four at-bats. Adding a single in his other up bat, he was four for four. He tallied five home, five runs scored, um, seven RBIs, and also reached base with a walk in that game as well. So five times he was on base, um, which is nuts. He got on base five out of five plate appearances, which the Red Sox really need. Um, he also stole a base in that game as well. Um, that's really what the Red Sox need from him. That's why he got that six-year, $140 million contract. Um, he did add 117 points to his OPS in that game, uh, which is nuts. One single game added 117 points to his OPS. Um, and I got some of these stats from a Pete Abraham tweet. Um, he entered Thursday, last Thursday's game, uh, with the Mariners with a 205 batting average, two home runs, 16 RBIs, and a 613 OPS. He left Thursday's game hitting 230, which he was 205 before, five home runs, when he had two home runs before the game, 23 RBIs when he only had 16 before the game, and a 7.30 OPS compared to the 6.30, 6.13, excuse me, he had uh, before that contest against Seattle. Um, so seeing him getting going is huge to the Red Sox. I'm going to give you a good breakdown of how he's been playing over the past uh, five to six games or so um, in a little bit. Um, another guy I want to highlight, Tanner Houck, was excellent in that Thursday game in relief for Rich Hill. Um, entering that Thursday game, Rich Hill was 1-0 in his last four starts. Uh, in his previous four starts before that Thursday game. And 19 innings pitched in those four games, he allowed just three runs, two earned, um, 13 hits, four walks, 15 strikeouts, um, and a .95 ERA uh, in those four games. Really impressive. Um, although on that Thursday game, he did get roughed up. Uh, he lasted just two innings, surrendering four runs uh, off six hits and a walk. Um, his ERA rose from 289 to 3.9 on the season. Um, but Rich Hill has been play- playing really well the last four of his last five games. Now, obviously, the previous four before that Thursday game, he was pitching really well. But last game, obviously, got roughed up. But four out of five games, we'll take that of a guy that, especially that's 42 years old, I believe, off the top of my head. Um, Tanner Houck pitched great um, in relief in that game. As I said, four innings in relief were outstanding. Four innings pitched, one hit, no runs, six strikeouts, and did walk a guy. Uh, Tanner Houck's really turning a corner now, too. I know he was struggling. Um, during a little bit of portion of the early season. Um, in his last two outings, Ten Hawks gone seven innings total, two hits allowed, one earned run, um, and that earned run was off a home run to Cole Calhoun in Texas. Um, he did uh, walk two batters in his last two games, uh, but seven innings, uh, you'll take that, especially for a guy that was struggling, six strikeouts and a one two nine ERA over his last two games. Uh, and that's the thing with the Red Sox. A lot of the guys that have been giving up earned runs, a lot of them are coming off home runs. Uh, Tanner Houck obviously only allowed one earned run in his last seven innings pitched over the last two games he's appeared in, um, and that was off a home run. Uh, and then, obviously, like I said, Pavetta last week, the only run he allowed in that nine-inning uh, performance uh, against the Houston Astros uh, was a home run to Jose Altuve in the first part of the game, uh, which is nuts that the Red Sox really have been pitching so well. It's just, you know... 
location sometimes on one pitch can turn a game from no earned runs, obviously, to one earned run. And like you saw with Ten Out giving the home run to Cole Calhoun um, in one of the games against Texas. And then obviously, like I just said, uh, that earned run for uh, Nick Pavetta against the Astros. Um, in Friday's game against the Mariners, which I'm going to break down the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday game. I, I already talked about Thursday with Nick Pavetta having a huge win for the Red Sox. Uh, excuse me, Wednesday. It was last Wednesday night. Thursday, I broke down the Red Sox. Uh, winning that game against Seattle was huge. Like I said, Trevor Story, three home runs in that game. I'm going to break down each game, though, because I feel like it really shows how things are turning around for the Red Sox right now. Um, so in Friday's game against the Mariners, the Red Sox won 7-3, to uh, scored three huge insurance runs in the bottom of the eighth inning. Um, I'm going to get into who hit that in a second. Uh, Trevor Story stayed hot in that game, <clears throat> hitting a grand slam in the third inning for his fourth home run and his last six at-bats entering that contest, uh, which is nuts. Uh, Michael Waka pitched superb in his uh, return from the injured list. He went four and two-thirds innings, allowing just two earned runs. He did walk three guys, had three strikeouts, had one bad pitch, gave up a two-run home run. Uh, to Mariners second baseman, Abraham Toro. Um, so just like Pavetta and Houck, the only earned runs they gave up came off home runs, uh, which is tough. Walk on the season, six starts, a one seven six ERA. Uh, he's pitched 30.2 innings, allowing just 17 hits, six earned runs. He's walked 14 batters in those 30.2 innings, but has struck out 22 batters. Um, he signed a one-year $7 million deal. Um, during the offseason, which right now looks like a stale uh, for High and Bloom, considering last year we gave Garrett, Garrett Richards that $10 million contract, and he was awful. So considering we're giving Walker $3 million less, and he's pitched six better games than Garrett Richards ever gave us, uh, you'll take that deal all day. Um, a big uh, key part of that game on Friday was Alex Cora's substitutions. Um, Frangie Cordero pinch hit. Um, for Xander Bogarts, Xander Bogarts um, got tangled up, had a tough play. Um, in shallow left center, he collided with Alex Verdugo. Um, so Cordero came in to pinch hit in the eighth inning um, and singled for Xander Bogarts when he pinch hit. Um, then Jackie Bradley Jr. comes up uh, with two guys on base. Um, he came in for Christian Arroyo, who's 0 of 3 in the contest. So um, really smart decision by Alex Cora to switch it up, bring a lefty in. Really good time to bring a lefty in that situation. Two on. Two outs, so two guys on base, two outs. Um, and Jackie Bradley Jr. hits a huge three-run shot. Uh, the Red Sox really needed that. He really needed that. Um, in a little bit, too, I'm going to get into Jackie Bradley's uh, recent performance and how well he's been playing since May 3rd. Um, the bullpen in that game was excellent. Uh, four and a third innings, uh, allowing just one run. Um, it was unearned, actually, by John Schreiber. Um, that bullpen went six uh, four and a third innings, striking out six batters and just walking one guy and allowing just one hit. Uh, Austin Davis, Jake Diekman, John Schreiber, and Matt Strom were all terrific. Um, a reliever who's really been a star this year is John Schreiber. Um, in 10 games out of the pen, he's pitched 10.1 innings, um, allowing just five hits, one run. It was unearned, uh, like I just pointed out in that Friday game against the Mariners. Um, striking out 11 batters in those 10.1 innings and walking none, which is actually probably his best statistic. Allowing no runs... And walking none um, is very, it's correlated heavily. Uh, if you don't put a guy on base with a walk, your chance of giving up a run uh, definitely decreases, at least in my eyes. As a pitcher, you know, I pitched um, a ton in high school. I feel like when you walk a guy, your confidence level goes down, and just having a guy on base definitely makes the situation tougher. So uh, the correlation between no walks and no runs definitely is strong. Um, and so Schreiber owns a 0.0 ERA. Um, and has walked no batters in the 10.1 innings he's appeared in, which is great. Uh, moving on to Saturday's game, Garrett Whitlock was hit around uh, 
tough, tough game for him really early. Um, he was hit around for 10 hits um, in just three innings, um, surrendering five runs, striking out three batters, didn't walk anyone. Um, he was located to the best of his ability, and just the Mariners were hitting really well and were just all over him. And that happens sometimes. That's a part of the game. Um, so when the Red Sox were down 5 nothing, you would think you know that team would give up uh, and, and, and would just call it a day. But uh, not this Red Sox team over the past week. They wouldn't let that happen. Rafael Devers terrorized Mariners starter Chris Flexen. Um, he had a solo home run in the third inning, uh, put the Sox on the board when they were down 5 nothing, And then Devers comes back up again in the fifth inning, hits a two-run home run. Um, Devers finished that game 3-4 with three RBIs. Um, Fridgey Cordero, a guy who has earned his respect over the last three to four games, um, came up to the plate um, in a big situation at the bottom of the eighth inning. Uh, it was a 5-5 game, all tied up, hits a huge triple. Christian Vasquez, who has been struggling early this year as well, um, just like uh, Cordero, uh, just like Verdugo. Um, Vasquez comes up to the plate, um, hits a single to get Cordero across home plate. Um, it ends up being the game-winning run. Red Sox win that game 6-5. Uh, Matt Barnes came in uh, with a one-run lead in the ninth inning, uh, struck out about it, and earned his second save of the year. Um, the problem with Matt Barnes really is just has been his confidence. I know the Red Sox don't have much confidence in him. Uh, since he signed that two-year $18.75 million extension on July 11th, um, right before the All-Star break last season, July 11th, 2021, uh, Matt Barnes owns a 2-6 and six record uh, and only has seven saves and 39 appearances um, in 31.1 innings pitched. Um, in the 31.1 innings pitched um, since his extension, um, he's allowed 33 hits and walked 16 batters. Um, he's allowed five home runs and surrendered, and surrendered 26 runs, um, 22 of those being earned, um, and has a 6.32 ERA since signing that contract. Um, and he's allowed a 3.22, uh, 0.322, excuse me, batting average on balls in play, um, two opposing hitters, which is atrocious. Um, I know I've given you guys a ton of stats. I took the time, went online, crunched up most of these stats and, and looked at, you know, the game logs and how the Red Sox have been playing over the last four, five, six games. So giving you guys a ton of information, obviously a ton of stats, um, and just to give you guys some insight into how well the Red Sox have been playing over the last week. Um, so Sunday's game, moving on, uh, the last game I'll preview uh, and talk about. Um, this one was one to remember for the Red Sox. Before the walk-off, Rob, before the Red Sox walk-off, Rob Bradford tweeted in the 10th inning, uh, saving ticket stubs, and he predicted it correctly. I mean, whoever's at that game saw a great finish. Um, so to start the game, Nate Evaldi returned to the mound, coming off a brutal performance against the Houston Astros. We allowed five home runs um, in one inning. Uh, Alex uh, Spear said that it was a combined 1,970 feet on those five home runs. So there were some towering shots by the Astros. Um, he allowed five home runs um, in one inning. He's one of three pitches ever to do so. Um, overall, he allowed nine runs in that game, uh, six earned, um, and gave up eight hits in just one and two-thirds innings. So he was he was out really quick. Uh, the plug was pulled very fast by Alex Cora. Uh, Sawamora pitched very well. Um, Ryan Brazier, Matt Bonds, Diekman, Austin Davis all came in. I know the Red Sox still lost that game, but um, it was great to see the bullpen come in, pitch five innings, um, allow four hits, one walk, struck out six batters um, in that game against Houston. The bullpen has been better of late, and that's what the Red Sox really needed. Um, and that's the thing. I mean, even though this game was a lost game, seeing uh, – Hirokazu Sawamura come in, Ryan Brazia, Matt Bynes, Jake Diekman, Austin Davis all pitched really well in five innings um, at the end of that game. That was huge for the Red Sox. Um, 
and that's obviously confidence uh, just going into the next game, knowing, okay, you know, we went five innings, didn't allow a run. Um, I believe it was Tyler Danish on the top of my head. He did allow um, a few runs. I think it was the third and fourth innings he pitched. Um, but the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth, um, all by Salmora, Brazier, Bonds, Deakman, and Davis, those uh, four guys right there, five guys, excuse me, combined for five innings, um, scoreless. Anyways, Inavaldi's return to the mound on Sunday um, against the Mariners. He recovered heavily from that Houston game. Uh, he pitched a career high. Um, he struck out a career high, excuse me, 11 strikeouts in six and two-thirds innings. Um, he allowed four hits, uh, two earned runs, did walk a batter, and gave up a two-run home run. So just like I said about Pavetta giving up a home run, um, and uh, Pavetta gave that home run to uh, Jose Altuve, Tan Hout giving up that home run uh, to Cole Calhoun. And then uh, it was, I believe, Michael Walker gave that home run to Abraham Toro. Um, similar to all of them, Nate Evaldi, uh gave up uh, two runs, and those two runs came off that home run. He allowed to second baseman Adam Frazier of the Mariners. Um, Frazier's a great hitter. He was 3 of 5 in that game. Um, but uh, 11 strikeouts, which is great. Uh, for that, that's a great return to the mound for Nate Evaldi. Um, speaking of the Red Sox, right now they're up one nothing over the Chicago White Sox. Kike Hernandez starts off the game with a home run for the Sox on the first pitch of the game. Um, the Red Sox really are hot right now. Wow. Uh, anyways, Nate Evaldi, um, the only two runs he gave up was was off a home run to uh, Adam Frazier. So just like Pavetta, just like Waka, just like Hauk, the only two runs that Nate Evaldi gave up were off a home run uh, to Adam Frazier. So home runs obviously are an issue with the Red Sox, but um, they obviously got to get better um, with pitch location. And obviously that takes time, you know, for a team to develop um, some gel within the starting rotation, um, in, especially the bullpen as well. So hopefully the Red Sox get better. Um you know, with, with pitch location, give up less home runs, but they're still winning games. Who cares about the home runs they give up? You're winning, you're winning. Um, anyways, um, as I said, so a lot of the earned runs of Red Sox pitches have given up, have come off home runs. Um, Rich Hill, I believe, also, um, which Dev is just singled as well. Wow, the Red Sox are hot right now. Um, sorry about, you know, jumping from uh, page to page here. Um, but anyways, uh, Tin Houck, Rich Hill, um, those two guys pitched really well in that game. It was last... Let me see. Last Thursday, was it? Um, yes, last Thursday's game. Those two pitched great. Um, obviously, um, Nate Evaldi returned to the mod being great. Pavetta, um, Michael Walker, that's really something the Red Sox needed. Um, anyways, um, so in that game, Sunday, um, the Red Sox faced uh, Logan Gilbert, flamethrowing righty um, on the Mariners. Um, he's been great for Seattle. He went a strong seven innings, um, allowing three earned runs. Um, walked two guys, struck out four batters. Very good player. He reminds me of Tyler Glass now on the Rays. Um, the game came down to um, Eugenio Suarez um, of the Mariners. There's two outs in the top of the ninth inning. Um, Mariners down one run. He comes up to plate. Hansa Robles gives him too good of a pitch. Um, Suarez turned on it and tied the game at four apiece. Um, that was a third blown slave for Robles um, this season. Um, so the Red Sox had to go into extra innings um, to try to win this game. In the top of the 10th inning, uh, Kevin Ploiecki pinch hit for Christian Vasquez and singled yet again another great substitution decision by Alex Cora. Um, the Red Sox tied uh, that game with a single by Kike Hernandez, scoring Bobby Dahlbeck from second base. Uh, third base, excuse me, because uh, it was first and third when Kike came up. Um, 
Anyways, the Sox tried to win on a Devis single, uh, but Mariners right fielder Dylan Moore had a different um, idea. Hosing Vasquez at the plate um, could have been safe. You know, it was a tough call, very controversial, but um, the call on the field was upheld. Um, it all came down to Kike, excuse me, it all came down to Frangie Cordero. Comes up to the plate, two outs, bases loaded, 0-2 count. Uh, so obviously 0-2 count. It's not a hitter's count, it's a pitcher's count. Um, and... Lo and behold, Frangie Godero hits a grand slam walk-off home run. Uh, probably the last thing I would expect, especially with how critical I have been and every you know Red Sox fan has been of Frangie Cordero since that Andrew Penintendi trade. Uh, Benintendi's been playing great uh, for Kansas City this year. Um, but Cordero hit that walk-off grand slam to right field. Uh, Jake Diekman picked up the win. Uh, Diekman, his last 10 games since April 27th, uh, he's pitched nine innings, uh, giving up two hits. Walked seven batters, struck out 12, um, but has allowed zero runs over those 10 games um, in those nine innings. Um, he has had two blown saves, um, but four holds in his last 10 games. Um, and he's allowed a .074 batting average to opposing batters over the last 10 games, which is really impressive. Um, and the Red Sox bullpen has been pitching great of late. That's really what they needed. Um, it was a big uh, weakness of this team early on in the season. So I'm happy to see them getting going, getting hot. Um, just want to give you guys some interesting statistics here. So the last 12 games, 12 is the magic number for the Red Sox. Um, the last 12 games could be the turning point for the Red Sox um, on the early part of this season. Um, Alex Korshave has been on May 10th. Um, and since then, the Red Sox are 9-3. Nine, nine uh, they hold, at this time, when I was looking this up, they had the best record in the MLB over that stretch. Uh, they're still in the top, definitely. Um, they hit 285 over that stretch over those 12 games. Have a 3.48 on base percentage as a team, and they're averaging 6.58 um, runs a game. Uh, they've hit 19 home runs over those 12 games. Um, I know on my show, The Playbook with Joey and Zach, I talked about the Red Sox offense has not been hitting enough home runs. It's really been just uh, Bogarts, Devers, and Martinez has been uh, the big part of the whole entire offense, really the only part of the offense, early part of the season, and the early uh, window of the season. And and that's the thing, with how the Red Sox have looked over the past um, week or so, uh, the hitters are definitely hitting more confidently. Everyone's getting up to the plate. Um, it, it has been, everyone's been hitting great situationally. I mean, the Red Sox really have needed um, some big hits and some key moments, and they've been getting that um, of late, which is huge. Um, so since Alex Cora shaved his beard, the Red Sox are 9-3. and three. Um, They've hit uh, 19 home runs over those 12 games, 77 runs batted in um, in those uh, 12 games, and have also stolen six bases. Um, stealing bases has been a lost out in the game of baseball. Um, and that's the thing. Staying with six bases definitely puts another guy in scoring position, which definitely helps you score more runs. Um, anyways, so in those 29 games before May 10th, before Alex Cora shaved his beard, uh, the Red Sox, um, had a 3-7-1 ERA as a team. As I've said before, the starting pitching was not the issue early in the season. It was the bullpen. Um, the Red Sox do, do lead the league right now with blown saves with 11. Um, and also the Red Sox offense is, is just not scoring enough. Um, in those 29 games, the Red Sox had a 10-19 record um, and hit 228 as a team, hitting just 16 home runs compared to the 19 the Red Sox have hit now over the last 12 games. So 16 home runs in the first 29 games of the season. In the last 12 games, the Red Sox have hit 19 home runs. So seven more home runs for the Red Sox in 17 less games, uh, which is really impressive. Um, in that stretch of 29 games, the Red Sox averaged 3.27 runs per game compared to the 6.58 runs per game they've now um, averaged over the last 12 games. Um, and 
Um, only had 94 RBIs in those 29 games compared to the 77 the Red Sox have had in the last 12. Um, and four stolen bases that Red Sox had in those 29 games compared to the six they've had in the last 12 games. So since Alex Cora shaved his beard, the Red Sox have really been turning things around. Um, and that's the thing. They've been exciting to watch. I feel like coming on right now and being able to talk about the Red Sox, it's something I'm excited about um, and, and I'm happy I'm able to do because they've just been playing so well. And I know early in the season, uh, with my podcast at BC with my roommate Zach, I wasn't really feeling excited talking about them because they were struggling. And now I, I want to talk about them, uh, which is obviously the reason I've been talking about them, about them now for 20 plus minutes, um, just because of how well they've been playing. And uh, they gave me this drive, actually, knowing how well they've been playing. I want to look at the statistics um, into how well they've been playing because I know they've been scoring more runs, but I didn't realize it was 6.58, uh, 6.58 runs per game over the last uh, 12 games they've been averaging compared to just the 3.27 runs per game they were averaging in the previous 29 games. Um, so I looked up a ton of the uh, stats for the Red Sox over the past um, 12 games, did a ton of uh, crunching between game logs and uh, checking their OPS and home runs and strikeouts and walks and uh, ERAs for all the pitches and everything. I did a ton of that um, just to be able to come on here and talk about um, how well they've been playing and how much they've improved. Um, you definitely have to give some credit to Kevin Euclid, who's been in the booth, Vanessin. Um, his uh, rally headband he's been putting on for the Red Sox um, in the later innings of the last few games has really uh, gotten the mojo going for the Sox. So hopefully he keeps that going for the rest of the season. Um, anyways, Trevor Story in his last 12 games. In that 12-game stretch, um, he's had 13 hits at 53 plate appearances, um, 44 at-bats it was. He had seven walks, um, seven home runs in his last 12 games, 13 runs scored, 19 RBIs, four stolen bases, and four attempts. Um, something the Sox need um, is stealing bases. Uh, stolen bases have been um, something the Red Sox have really been hard uh, to come by. Um, they have the third worst um, stolen base total in the MLB. Um, so happy that Trevor Story has been stealing some bases since the Red Sox really need it. Um, in his last 12 games, he's hit 296 um, and has a 1.173 OPS over the last 12 games. So he's been playing really well. He actually was just the American League uh, Player of the Week very unsurprisingly. I don't know who could have been uh, the player of the week besides him, but he had six home runs over the past week, 14 RBIs, a 360 batting average, a 1.12 slugging percentage, and 1.572 OPS. Um, in that four-game series against the Mariners, he had five home runs, had 13 RBIs, hit 400, and a, and had a 1.844 OPS, which is just unreal. That That's tremendous. Uh, you're never going to see someone with the hottest series of Trevor Story um, that Trevor Story had uh, against the Mariners. Anyways, Rafael Devis and Deboga to J.D. Martinez have been the heart of the Red Sox offense. Um, J.D. currently right now is second in the American League in batting average with a three forty nine batting average. Um, Devis is third uh, in the American League with a three thirty five uh, batting average. And Xander is tied for fifth with a three twenty five average. Um, right now, though, former Red Sox uh, fan favorite and star, Andrew Benatendi, has had a stellar year, as I said earlier in the um, show, um, he's fourth right now in the American League with a 329 batting average. So a lot of uh, current Red Sox and former Red Sox in that top five, um, which is great. Uh, J.D. Martinez and Rafael Devers right now are tied with each other um, for first in the AL uh, for doubles with 15. So uh, happy to see the Red Sox offense getting going. Um, the Red Sox really needed that. Um, so it's some interesting stats I came across um, just looking at the game logs of Devers and you know crunching things left and right and you know flipping pages. Um, Rafael Devers in the 41 games he's played this year, He's had a hit, at least one hit, in 36 of those 41 games. Only five games he went 0-4. And in two of those five games, he reached with a walk. So Devers reached base 
in 38 of 41 games this year, which is huge. And this is a contract year for Devers. It's a contract year for Xander Bogarts. Um, Xander Bogarts has cooled down of late. Um, he was hitting 375 in April. Um, he's hitting just 268 in May. Still hitting 325 of the season, though, which is really impressive. Um, moving on really quickly. Um, Devers in the month of May um, had a 385 batting average. Has a 385 batting average, I should say, with a 1.172 OPS. He's had six home runs, has 15 RBIs. Uh, has walked six times and has 30 hits and 78 at-bats in the month of May. Um, crossing the plate 15 times with 15 runs scored. Has eight doubles. Has a triple. So he shows you has some speed and a stolen base. Um, in his last 15 games, Rafael Devers, he's a 426 batting average, a 1.306 OPS. Five home runs he's hit. Has 14 RBIs and 26 hits in 61 at-bats. Uh, I know I'm giving you guys a ton of statistics. Um, I had a fun time finding all of these. And I figure some Red Sox fans are uh, definitely interested to see um, how well the Red Sox are playing of late. Um, anyways, J.D. Martinez um, has had at least one hit in 30 of 33 games he's played this year. Um, in the three games, he did not have a hit. He reached base with a walk in two of those three games. Um, so he's reached base in 32 of 33 games this year, which is spectacular. Um, J.D. in the month of May um, in his last 18 games. Um, he has 30 hits and 75 at-bats. Has hit four home runs, um, has hit 12 guys across with uh, 12 RBIs, um, walked four times, um, has scored 13 runs, has a 400 batting average. Um, great to see him and Devis stay hard in the month of May. Obviously, Bogots has been cooling down a little, but I still have confidence in him. Uh, it's a, a big year for Xander Bogots and uh, Raphael Devis, a contract year for both. So, hopefully, the Red Sox find a way to keep both of them around uh, since they really need them, in my opinion. Uh, Anyway, since May 3rd, Jackie Bradley Jr., a guy obviously Red Sox fans don't have much confidence in offensively. I always like Jackie Bradley. Um, he's a very streaky hitter. Um, since May 3rd, Jackie Bradley has a 280 batting average um, in 16 games played. Um, he has a home run, 9 RBIs, 3 walks, and an 801 OPS, which is great for Jackie Bradley since May 3rd. Um, and has also hit 7 doubles, 14 hits and 50 at-bats um, since May 3rd and hit 280. Um and that's the thing. With Jackie Bradley, I feel like a lot of the time, uh, you know, he's obviously cool for majority of the season. When he gets hot, he gets hot. And 280 is actually great for him over the last 16 games. So I'm happy to see him playing well, especially with how great he is defensively. It's great to have his glove in the field and his arm in the field. So hopefully he keeps hitting so it's easy to keep him in the lineup for the Red Sox. Um, in the last three games, Franchi Cordero, a guy obviously not many people had confidence in. I still, you know, had my critiques of him even up until that last grand slam he had on Sunday uh, for that walk-off home run, which was electric. Um, Frenchy Godero on his last 13 at-bats has only three hits, right? In those three hits, in those three hits he's, he's had, they were all clutch. All huge hits, very good uh, uh, situational hits that the Red Sox really needed in big moments. Um, so in the last four games, he only has three hits, right? He had a pitch hit single in Friday's contest against the Mariners, ended up scoring the game-winning run, or ended up scoring on Jackie Bradley Jr.'s uh, three-run home run, which is a great insurance run to give the Red Sox um, a bigger lead in the bottom of the eighth. Um, on Saturday, he had a triple in the bottom of the eighth inning in a 5-5 game against the Mariners, ended up scoring the game-winning run when Vasquez hit him in, um, and then also had a grand slam like I have said now probably 10 times um, in the bottom of the 10th inning on Sunday. So three hits, but all of them are clutch hits um, in his last three hits. So I'm happy to see him, um, even though he's not hitting well this season, he's been hitting uh, in the right moments. So uh, that's been huge for the Red Sox. Hansa Robles, another guy I want to highlight really quick. In nine appearances in April, so I'm talking about a lot, I'm talking about a ton of guys who have been getting hot of late. Hansa Robles has actually been cool of late, just like Xander Bogart's hitting 268 in May. Um, Hansa Robles in the month of May, 
Um, he's cooled down heavily. In, in April, he was great. He went 9.2 innings um, in nine appearances, um, gave up six hits, um, yielded, uh, uh, had a .93 ERA, um, yielded two walks, gave up two walks, struck out nine batters and allowed a one point, uh, excuse me, a .167 uh, opposing batting average, um, which is great um, in April. But then in May, um, in seven appearances, he has a .491 ERA compared to the just a .93 he had in nine appearances in April. Um, he's allowed four earned runs and six hits and 7.1 innings pitched um, in May. Despite that, Robles still holds um, a 2.65 ERA for the year. So just like Xander Bogats, they had great uh, months of April, great month of baseball in April. Um, then obviously um, in May have been struggling. So uh, two months of season, one month hot, one month cold. Um, but I'll tell you this, uh, with him pitching so well of late, and holding a 2.65 ERA, you'll take that, especially with how much a Red Sox bullpen has been struggling. Uh, there you have it. Wow, Trevor Story just hit his eighth home run of the season. Three-run moonshot for Trevor Story. 4 nothing Red Sox right now um, against uh, the Chicago White Sox in the first inning. Wow, 4 nothing. Wow, the Red Sox really been extending this lead. Um, I know I'm all over the place with this, but the Red Sox, as we're speaking, they're making more and more, um, more, and more headlines here with how many home runs they've been hitting. Anyways... Hunter Robles, as I said, had a cold uh, month of April, just like Xander Bogots. But with the great month of April they had, um, they still hold good batting averages, 325 for Bogots and a 2.65 ERA for Robles, um, which is great um, for the year. The Red Sox really need Hunter Robles, Jake Diekman, Matt Strom, uh, John Schreiber, and Tan Houck to stay hot out of the bullpen, um, especially with uh, Garrett Whitlock staying in the starting rotation. Um, Austin Davis, the last reliever I'm going to highlight, um, he's yielded just one run at 16.1 innings in his last 15 appearances. In those 15 appearances, he has a .55 ERA, um, and this is since April 15th. Um, he's racked up 20 strikeouts and has walked only six batters in that time frame since April 15th. Um, so that's a really good 15, last 15 appearances for him. Um, and these stats I just got uh, about Austin Davis, um, yielding just one run in those 16.1 innings. I got that in a stat uh, tweeted from Chris Smith of MassLive.com today. Um, Anyways, pitching woes have been something for the Red Sox early in the season. Um, as I said, 11 blown saves to the Red Sox early in the year. Um, and actually, I got this statistic right here from a fan-sided article. The Boston Injection um, is a Red Sox blog on fan-sided. Um, and it said on there, the Red Sox of all, are one of only four teams in baseball with more losses by relief pitches and saves. 12 losses compared to seven saves. Um, which is nuts. The Red Sox definitely have to get better in the bullpen. I know I've been, I've been saying they've been playing great of late. Um, they definitely still have to get better. There's still a lot to improve upon there um, for the Red Sox. Anyways, um, Xander Bogats will be a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, the great Chris Cotillo of MassLive.com said in a tweet on Monday, um, yesterday said uh, that David Ortiz said it would be stupid to let a guy like Xander Bogats go. And I agree with him. I think you have to keep Xander Bogats. I know he's going into um, his age 30 season. Um, but I feel like with how important he's been to this Red Sox team, this fan base, um, Red Sox nation as a whole over the past, you know, five, six years, 10 years almost, actually, you know, he's in the, he's on the Red Sox in the 2013 World Series. Um, anyways, getting rid of him, um, would definitely be a tough look for the Red Sox. I'm hoping they keep him, find a way, um, to keep him in Red Sox, um, in a Red Sox uniform. Uh, anyways, just want to give some updated MLB predictions for the World Series. Um, I gave it on my show earlier in the year. I had Red Sox Phillies. 
Uh, both teams are under 500 right now. Obviously, the Red Sox have been playing well of late. Uh, the Phillies, with Bryce Hoppy getting hurt um, and not being able to play the field, now he's to DH. Um, that's definitely a tough loss for them. Um, if I update my predictions right now, my prediction right now, I mean, I think it could be an L.A. World Series. I think it could be Angels-Dodgers. Right now, if I had to pick, I think Angels-Dodgers is definitely a possibility. And if I didn't go Dodgers, I'd go Mets. And the only reason I'm not going Mets right now is because of Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom uh, both being hurt. You know, they've been struggling to stay healthy, the, uh, the Mets. Um, DeGrom, especially over the past few years, have been struggling to stay healthy. But uh, with DeGrom out until at least July, um, and Scherzer now out for around two months with an oblique injury, it'll definitely be tough for them. Um, I know they've obviously been pitching great. Um, McGill's been great for them in the rotation, and uh, they've had great um, pitching uh, performances from uh, Carlos Carrasco and Chris Bassett. Um, but I feel like it'll be tough for them uh, to stay um, as strong as they've had uh, stayed now uh, in the early part of the season without Scherzer to Grom. I still see them having a really good season, um, but without those two guys, I don't think I can have them in the World Series, um, so I'm sorry to my roommate, Dan. Uh, anyways, I have the Angels versus uh, the Dodgers right now if I had to pick. Uh, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, two of the most likable players in the MLB. I'm rooting for both of them heavily. Um, those two guys, as I said, very likable players, but two great players too. I feel like every single time you turn on the TV, there is something about uh, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani doing something big. Someone hit a home run. Otani threw 100 miles an hour and then also you know, got two hits in the same game. I mean, uh, every game you watch with the Angels, something exciting is going on. So... I'm excited to see how this season plays out. I'd be really happy for the LA Angels um, if they were to make the play. I think they're going to make the playoffs. They're definitely going to make the playoffs in my eyes, uh, you know, especially since they have such a great record right now. But I would love to see them uh, make the World Series. I feel like it would be a great story uh, for the game of baseball, especially if it was against the Dodgers. Imagine that. The LA Angels of Anaheim uh, versus the LA Dodgers. That would be huge. Uh, I'd be a big fan of that. Um, anyways, um, moving on, uh, wanted to talk about uh, the uh, – NHL playoffs really quickly. Um, the Panthers, Florida Panthers should have lost to the Washington Capitals. Um, the Capitals blew some games, obviously, against them, uh, which I talked about on my radio show a little bit. Um, so in this series, um, Tampa Bay did just sweep them 4-0. Uh, they won game four last night. Um, I had Tampa Bay over Florida, I think, in six games. Um, if I remember right, that's, that would have been my prediction. Um, and Tampa Bay ended up beating them in four games. I thought Florida was overrated all year, especially with the Caps really blowing games against them. Uh, the Caps really could just not close out in the third period. Three straight games, uh, they couldn't close in the third period. And that's the thing. I mean, you have to finish games, uh, especially in the NHL playoffs, especially you have to close games. And that's what the Capitals weren't doing, um, obviously, in games. Um, it was game six, five, and four. Four, five, and six, they could just not close. Uh, they held a lead. Um, in game four, it was, um, it blew a two to one lead in the third period. Um, and then in game five against, uh, the Panthers, um, the Capitals were up, um, at one point, I believe, let me see, it was three to nothing caps, um, three minutes into the second period in game five, they ended up blowing that game five to three, giving them five straight goals. Um, and then in game six, uh, the caps were up, um, one nothing right away. First, uh, not right away. Excuse me. Three minutes in the second period, they were up one nothing. Um, they held a three three, a two to one lead. Excuse me. In the third period, ended up losing that. 
Florida went on to score two goals um, in a row. Claude Giroux, um, who me and my curly sports guru, hopefully I'll, I'll have him come on at some point onto the show. Um, he wanted uh, Giroux and the Bruins. He scored a huge um, goal for the uh, P- Panthers to tie the game at two. Um, and then TJ Oshie had a huge goal to tie the game at 3-3 um, with a minute to go in the third period. And then obviously game six, uh, the Florida Panthers went on to win uh, 4-3 in OT over the Capitals. So going into this series against Tampa Bay, I thought Tampa Bay would win this series just because I thought Florida was overrated. I thought the Capitals should have beat them, and they just uh, couldn't close out a game. So uh, Tampa Bay closing out that series in four um, was surprising to many. For me, though, I thought they would have won the series anyways. Tampa Bay such a great team. Uh, Nikita Kucherov, uh, Ryan McDonough, um, Vasilevsky's been great in net, um, and obviously Steven Stamkos, huge. Uh, so many great players on that team, honestly. Fun team to watch. Um, anyways, um, Edmonton right now is up 2-1 over Calgary. Um, I actually would have had Edmonton taken this series in six games. Um, right now they're up two to one. I still think they win this series. Um, one thing to watch is how great Connor McDavid has been playing uh, in this uh, whole playoffs uh, run he's had uh, for Edmonton. Uh, he scored a point in all ten playoff games except for one. Um, and last night in a huge game, it was two nights ago. Excuse me, because they played tonight. Um, two nights ago against Calgary in a huge win, uh, he had three assists. And then the game before that had a goal and assist. Um, and then the game before that, um, it was game one against Calgary. He had a goal and three assists, four points. Uh, it's just nuts how good he is. 10 games in the playoffs. He has 23 points, uh, in 10 games, six goals, 17 assists, has a plus 16 plus minus, which is absolutely nuts. Um, and also has, um, three power play goals, which is huge. Um, anyways, he's been playing great of late, excuse me, one power play goal, Three power play assists, so four points on the power play, um, and has 40 shots in those 10 games. So he's not afraid to shoot in the puck, which is huge. Um, but with how well he's been playing, I think they could take this series um, against Calgary. I know he's just one player, um, but obviously Drysout is a great player as well. Um, I feel like Calgary obviously has Johnny Gaudreau, former BC Eagle. Uh, I know my dad's a big fan of him, Mike Curley. A lot of BC fans are huge fans of him. I think he's a great player myself. Um, I just feel like the underdog, I always like taking the underdog. Um, and I feel like Edmonton can take this series in six games. Right now, it's my prediction. Um, I have the Rangers over the Hurricanes in seven games. Um, they're playing tonight. Um, and let me see. And then, so I got Edmonton over the Flames in six. I got the Rangers over the Hurricanes in seven. Um, and then in the next round, I'll have Tampa Bay over Florida. Excuse me. I have Tampa Bay, uh, I have Tampa Bay over the Rangers, excuse me, in five games. Edmonton over Colorado in seven games. Um, give me Colorado, actually, in this series against the Blues. I'll take Colorado in six. Um, and then Tampa Bay, excuse me, the next round. I know I'm making this confusing. I apologize for that. Um, so in the current series right now, I'll have the Rangers over the Hurricanes in seven. Tampa Bay, um, I had in six games over Florida. Um, I have Edmonton over the Flames in six. And give me Colorado over the St. Louis Blues in six. Um, in the next series, give me Edmonton over Colorado in seven. Tampa Bay over the Rangers in five. And then in the Stanley Cup uh, finals right now, my prediction is Tampa Bay over Edmonton in six games. It might be a bold prediction to some. Um, I didn't follow hockey enough this whole entire season um, to have made a prediction earlier in the year. Um, but I always, you always can bet on Tampa Bay. Obviously, they won the last two seasons. You can always bet on them being a team uh, right there till the end. So right now, my prediction is Tampa Bay over Edmonton in six games in the Stanley Cup finals. Um, anyways, moving on now to the Boston Celtics. Um, in their series against the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, the first three games of the series um, was kind of all over the place, honestly. 
Um, the Celtics outscored Miami um, in 10 of the first 12 quarters of the series, um, but still lost two of the first three games. Um, two really bad quarters for the Celtics prevented the Celtics from having um, uh, from changing this series drastically. Um, and that's the thing. Now it's 2-2, obviously tied up. Um, but when Robert Williams and Al Horford both play, um, the Celtics have blown out Miami. Um, Robert Williams, as I said earlier um, in the year, earlier in the playoffs um, on my radio show at BC, um, before the playoffs started actually against Brooklyn, I said that he could be the X-Factor against the Nets. And I still feel like he's the X-Factor now um, for the Celtics. He wreaks havoc in the paint, uh, makes teams avoid driving down the lane, rebounds very well, blocks shots, um, is a staple in the paint for the Celtics. Um, and he definitely changes the course of the game every single night he is on the floor. Um, so hopefully um, he finds a way to stay healthy um, and returns to the lineup uh, fully for the re- Celtics for the rest of the playoffs. Um, I know he's been in and out, um, and he... Was banged up a little bit actually at the end of uh, Game Four last night. Um, the Celtics definitely could use him uh, healthy. Anyways, Game Three. Um, I'm going to talk about Game Three and Game Four. Break down those really quick. Uh, game Three. I've never seen a team hand the ball away uh, like the Celtics did in Game Three. They were so careless with the ball. Uh, Miami did play strong defense. Don't get me wrong, uh, but the Celtics were literally just handing them the ball to a certain extent. Uh, Tatum and Brown were awful. Uh, with their passes and decision-making. Uh, Tatum had six turnovers. Jalen had seven. 13 combined turnovers. Your two best players. That cannot happen, especially in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, especially when it's a 1-1 series. I mean, everything's on the line. Uh, Tatum's Game 3 performance was, uh, honestly, a huge struggle for him. That's the reason I don't see him as a top-five player in the NBA, because it's every other game it feels like he has a game uh, where he's off and a game that he's on. Um, and when he's when he's off, when he's off-off, the Celtics lose. Um, they don't really win too many games that he's off or Jalen's off. Um, I don't just don't see him being a top five player just because top five players do not disappear in uh, on a game to game basis, especially um, in a game with such high stakes. Um, in game three, Tatum was three of fourteen from the field, um, scored just ten points, and was one of seven from three. Um, the Celtics lost without Jimmy Butler even playing the second half. I mean, Jimmy Butler was out the second half, and the Celtics still couldn't find a way. Uh, to win Game 3, which was just disappointing. Um, Bam Adebayo did step up in a huge way for Miami. He really didn't do too much in the first uh, few games of the series. Or it was Game 2, he really didn't do much. Um, he scored 31 points and grabbed 10 rebounds in Game 3. Um, a real big storyline, actually, in the game, obviously I said with the Celtics terms, was Miami's efficiency on offense. They only had 8 turnovers compared to the Celtics' 23. Um, somehow the Celtics only lost by 6 with 23 turnovers compared to 8. Um, 15 more turnovers, only lost by six, which is impressive, actually. Should have won the game then. Um, the Celtics had actually had a one-point game, um, and Miami's once up by 26. The Celtics had a, had a one-point game with two or three minutes to go, um, but Miami was up 26 at one point. So the Celtics really did come back. That's why I said these seri- this whole series has been really all over the place, off and on. Um, but a bad first quarter, the Celtics being outscored 39-18 in the first quarter of Game 3 really just put that game um away and put them in a huge hole. Um, Jalen Brown did play really well scoring-wise. Um, he shot 420 from the field um, and scored 40 points, but at the end of the day, you're not going to win too many games um, We you turn the ball over 23 times. Um, Miami, I believe, had 19 steals in the game uh, and had 33 points off turnovers um, and forced 23 turnovers, which is nuts. Um, anyways, game four, last night the Celtics won. Huge win for the Celtics. They really needed it. Um, the Heat forced 24 turnovers, um, had 19 steals and 33 points off turnovers in game three. So going into game four, Ime Odoka had to make changes, um, and Jason Tatum had to play better, and Jalen Brown as well. Jalen Brown still didn't play too great last night. Um, but anyways, the Celtics came out really hot, and that's what they had to do um, at the 
Uh, in the first quarter, at the halfway point, the Celtics were up 14-1. to um, They had an 18-1 to start to the game uh, with four minutes to go in the first quarter. So the first eight minutes of the game, the Celtics were up 18-1. to um, And the Miami Heat became the first team since 2009 to not have a field goal um, in a playoff game within the first seven minutes of the contest, of a contest. They only had one point in the first eight minutes and 38 seconds of the game um, and missed their first 14 field goal attempts. So you're never going to see a team start off that cold like Miami did yesterday. Um, they hit their first field goal um, with a uh, three-pointer by Victor Oladipo. I'm a big fan of Oladipo. Um, always have been. He had his first um, field goal uh, with 320 left in the first quarter. That was Miami's first field goal, which is nuts. Uh, Miami's 3 of 20 from the floor in the first quarter, and the Celtics are up 29-11. The Celtics really had to come out hot and stay hot. Um, Robert Williams made a huge difference for the, uh, for the Celtics. He had eight rebounds um, in the first quarter, just about. At the 10-32 mark of the second quarter, he already had eight rebounds. Um, Oladipo was really the only scoring Miami had all night. Um, he had 13 of Miami's first 18 points at the 9:30 mark of the second quarter. Um, Jalen Brown was cold in the first half. Um, started the game one of eight um, from the floor to open the game. Um, speaking of cold, the Miami Heat starters were five of 25 from the field um, in the first half and combined for just 12 points. Um, they had no points out of PJ Tucker or Max Struess in the first half and only had one field goal made. Um, a piece from Bam Adebayo and Kyle Lowry. Um, they're not going to win many games when that happens. Um, anyways, Victor Oladipo at 18 of Miami's 33 first-half points. Um, he was 5 of 7 from the field in the first half, shot 3 of 4 from 3, and had 3 rebounds. Um, the Miami Heat were 11 for 39 from the field. Um, they played a lot stronger in the last three minutes of the second quarter. Um, and the Heat had eight points in the paint um, in the first half. And Rob Williams is a big reason why they were struggling to score in the paint on drives. Um, he definitely disrupts the game, and I'm happy to see him back. Hopefully he stays healthy. We, Celtics definitely need him healthy. I mean, he definitely disrupts the game, as I said. And uh, Yesterday, it looked like he was hobbling a little bit, I believe, in the third quarter. Then they took him out. Um, so hopefully he's healthy and back uh, for Game 5 tomorrow night. Um, anyways... Robert Williams, um, in his return, uh, finished the game with eight points, nine rebounds, um, had a block at five offensive boards. That's huge. The Celtics really needed that. Um, speaking of the first half stats, that, that's Robert Williams uh, over the course of the game. But I was just highlighting first half stats because I felt like the first half really told the whole story of the game since the second half. The Celtics ended up only winning that game, I believe, by 20 Um but it was a lot. It, it was a lot further of a, a deficit for Miami than twenty points. I mean, they were down uh, thirty-two at one point. Um, so I'm really just telling the first half because that really told the most, mostly, mostly the whole story of the game. Um, Miami Heat, uh, as I said, five of twenty-five from starters in the first half. Um, compared to the Celtics, the Celtics as a team shot sixteen to forty-three in the first half at twenty points in the paint. Um, Tatum, Tatum recovered from his ten-point game three performance uh, with twenty-four first-half points yesterday. Um, shot six of eleven from the field, zero of four from three. He's in one of seven from three in game three, and one of seven from three in game four. Um, so two of fourteen from three. Um, one of seven, one of seven. He's been two of fourteen from three over the last two games. So he's definitely going to shoot better there. But in the first half, yes, he had seven rebounds and three assists. Um, the Celtics were four of seventeen from three in the first half. They relied on threes heavily, um, but they got to line a ton. Shot twenty uh, six free throws, made twenty one of them, and out rebounded the Heat thirty three thirty thirty three twenty. Excuse me. Um, in the first half yesterday, as I said, Rob Williams' presence was uh, huge. Uh, for the Celtics um, in the first half, excuse me, when I, when I just gave his breakdown of the stats, that was first half stats, eight points, nine rebounds, a block at five offensive boards for Rob Williams in the first half. Uh, Al Horford had no first half points, but may have been the most influential 
influential player for the Celtics on the floor. He had eight rebounds and a block, um, was all over the place on the defensive end, um, and in the paint, the Celtics really needed that. He played really well in the first half, um, and overall, yesterday, he played great. Um, Jalen Brown, so overall, the Celtics um, obviously won the game, but Jalen Brown um, definitely cut down his turnovers, which is great, but still struggled from the field. 5 of 20 from the field, 1 of 6 from 3, had 12 points, 7 rebounds. Jason Tatum finished the game 8 of 16 from the floor with 31 points, 8 rebounds, also dished out 5 assists. Um, Celtics stars were 4 of 22 from 3-point range. Um, Colds, colds, colds from three. They need to get better in game five. You're not going to win many games shooting four of 22 from three. Um, anyways, Rob Williams had 12 points, nine rebounds, and three blocks overall. Um, Al Horford, five points, but 13 rebounds, three assists, and four blocks. Huge game for Al Horford yesterday. Um, he's really shined in the playoffs, uh, this whole playoff run for the Celtics. Payne Pritchard had um, double figures again. Um, four of the last five games, he's had double digit uh, double digit uh, performances. Um, and a key statistic, actually, the Celtics haven't lost back to back home games since January, which I found out um, through looking that up, looking up stats and stuff online. They're five and two uh, on the road in the playoffs. So going into tomorrow, huge game, game five with the two two series. Celtics need to improve uh, that record to six and two on the road in the playoffs. Celtics right now are 5-0 in games after a loss in the playoffs, so they always rebound well um, and recover, which speaks well and highly of how well Ime Udoka has been coaching late in the season. Um, the largest Celtics lead yesterday was 32 points. Um, they recovered very well from their turnover woes in Game 3. They only had 9 turnovers in Game 4 compared to the 24 they had in Game 3. Um, as for the Heat, uh, they only had 18 points from starters yesterday, which is abysmal. Um, the previous NBA playoff low for a team was 25 points from starting from a starting five, so 18. Horrendous game for the Miami Heat. Um, they shot 7 of 36 in the field. Their starters with a 19.4 field goal percentage. Um, no Tyler Hero is obviously a big loss for them, uh, but a positive for them, which is a negative for the Celtics, uh, was Duncan Robinson getting more confidence uh, with some fourth-quarter points. Um, Mark Jackson pointed out um, on the broadcast that the last thing the Celtics want in a blowout is for Duncan Robinson uh, to get confidence back since he terrorized the Celtics a couple years ago in the playoffs um, with his three-point shooting. He finished with 14 points and four rebounds, uh, four of eight shooting from three um, yesterday. Um, And I agree with them. You never want to see Duncan Robinson get hot since he's going to bring their confidence into tomorrow's game. Um, The Celtics out-rebounded Miami 60-39 yesterday. Jimmy Butler struggled heavily in the game, um, and the Heat need everything out of them they can in order for them to win. Um, they still won Game 3 without him um, in the second half. They, you know, they didn't play in the second half of Game 3. Um, but without Hero um, yesterday, they really struggled. Um, so I feel like they need Butler and Hero on the floor for them to um, beat the Celtics. Um, but then again, though, I say that, though, and they were without Jimmy Butler in the second half of Game 3 and without Tyler Hero for the most part of the fourth quarter in Game 3 and still won that game. Um, so I guess they can win without him. But I think uh, for a full course of a game, they need both of them healthy um, and on the court. Uh, Jimmy Butler only scored six points yesterday on 3 of 14 shooting from the field. Um, in Hero's absence, you have to have a lot better of a game uh, if you're not getting your scoring from you know Tyler Hero. Jimmy Butler did not do well. Kyle Lowry did not play well yesterday. Um, he finished with only three points on one of six shooting. Uh, off the bench, um, he needs to do better. Um, and then Gabe Vincent only had six points. Did have seven assists, but he's a guy that shot really well um, for them in the earlier part of the series. So um, Miami definitely has a lot to improve upon there. Um, the Celtics dominated the free throw line, 32 of 38 from the free throw line compared to Miami's 8 of 14 from the free throw line. So my overall outlook right now, 
Um, I think this still goes seven games. Um, Marcus Smart and Tyler Hero's returns would be crucial for both teams. Um, Miami's largest lead in Game 3 was 26 points, right? The Celtics' largest lead in Game 4 was 32 points. And neither team shot well in Game 4. So both teams are going to have to improve um, shooting-wise. Those are just three interesting stats that Miami's largest lead was 26. They only only ended up winning that game by 6. Uh, in Game 3, the Celtics' largest lead was 32 points. Uh, in Game 4, they ended up winning that game by 20. But the Celtics didn't shoot well yesterday. They were 31 of 78 from the field, 39.7% field goal percentage. And 8 of 34 threes the Celtics hit yesterday for 23.5 uh, field goal percentage from 3, um, which isn't good at all. Um, Miami didn't shoot well themselves. 30 of 90 from the field, 33.3% field goal percentage, um, and had a 38.9% um as a team, field goal percentage from three, which is better than the Celtics, 23.5%. Um, Tatum being one of seven uh, from three in each of the last two games definitely has to improve. Um, that's something that the Celtics um, definitely need uh, need more out of him from three-point land, especially since we take so many threes. I mean, we took uh, 34 threes as a team yesterday, only hitting eight of them. That's not good. The Celtics have to be better than that. Um, anyways, I wanted to highlight... Uh, really quick, uh, on the other side, the Western Conference, the Warriors are just such a fun team to watch. I mean, going in uh, to this series against the Mavericks, I thought they'd win it, you know, maybe in five games, six games. Right now, I think they're going to sweep the Mavericks tonight. They play uh, actually in a few minutes. Um, they start that game. I think they sweep the Mavericks tonight, um, win game four. Uh, they've just been unreal to watch. Game three, I, I watched just about all of it. Um, Steph Curry at 31 points, 11 assists, 5 rebounds, um, with 5 of 10 from three. They're just such a fun team to watch. You know, Jordan Poole off the bench, uh, putting up 10 points and 5 rebounds, hitting two big threes, had a big three um, with about a minute to go. Um, uh, they cut it. The Mavericks cut the score. Dinwiddie had a huge three. Spencer Dinwiddie had a huge three for the Mavericks. Cut it to 104.99 with a minute 15 to go. And then Jordan Poole hit the biggest shot of the game with 54 seconds to go um, to make it a three. He had a three-pointer to make it an eight-point game with 54 seconds to go. And that kind of just put um, everything away. But they're such a fun team to watch, the Warriors. Uh, if you watch you know, just even a quarter of them play, uh, it's up-tempo basketball. They're drilling threes, playing quick, playing hard getting rebounds, diving on loose balls. Um, speaking of rebounds, they out-rebounded. Uh, Golden, Golden State out-rebounded Dallas in Game 3, 55-43. Um, they also shot very well um, from three-point land um, over the whole playoffs. They've been shooting very well from three-point land. And free throws, that's actually one thing I want to highlight. They've been shooting so well from the free throw line, 22 of 25 as a team they shot um, as a team uh, at the line, the Warriors shot in Game 3. Um, they shoot very well. They get themselves to the line. I don't see either way. Like I, I don't know if the Celtics or the Heat uh, could beat the Warriors. I just feel like Steph Curry, this could be his year, um, especially when he goes off on a run. Clay Thompson, Draymond Green played unbelievable last game on defense. Um, Draymond had uh, two steals and a block, also 10 points. Five rebounds, five assists. Andrew Wiggins was huge, actually, in the game. I forgot to mention him. 27 points, 11 rebounds. Um, shot one of five from three, 11 of 20 from the field, um, but had a huge uh, performance, 27 points, and that's really what they needed. Um, the Warriors needed that out of them. I think they win that game tonight. I see them taking uh, game four, sweeping the Mavericks, and then now having, uh, who knows, probably five to six, seven days off um, while the Heat Celtics series continues. Um, so we'll see how that goes. I think the Warriors are the team to beat. Um, right now, I don't see anyone really beating them, um, especially with how well they've been playing of late. 
uh, it's going to be tough for any team to come up strong and, and, and beat that team, especially with them being, I believe they'll be the home team if they play the Celtics. Um, not sure who would be, uh, who would have the seeding if it was Celtics Warriors. Let me see. If it was Heat Warriors, excuse me. The Warriors record was 53-29. Miami's record was... In the regular season, 53-29. Miami's record was 53-29 also. Wow. So I wonder who would be the home team. Regardless, um, I feel like it would be tough for anyone to beat Golden State, um, especially if they were to have you know home court advantage there. As for the Celtics series, I think it goes seven games. I think it could go either way, but right now if I had to pick, I'm going to go Celtics in seven. Uh, the reason why I say it could go either way is just because the Celtics get cold and you know each team has been off and on every single game. I still think the Celtics are the better team. They have to really put that together and not have two bad quarters. Two bad quarters are the reason why the Celtics aren't up 4-0 in this series and didn't sweep the heat. So that's the thing. I think it's going to go seven games. I see the Celtics right now winning in seven. So now coming on, we have a very special guest, Paul from South Boston, joining the show. He was on my show, The Playbook with Joey and Zach at BC. Have him coming on here to give us some opinions on the Celtics and the Red Sox. Psyched to have him on. How you doing, Paul? Good to be here, Joe. Thanks. Happy to have you on. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, anyways, want to start out Celtics 2-2 series right now. Uh, what have you seen from them? What do you think is going to happen in Game 5? Any of your thoughts you, you think on the series? I'd probably lead off with, I think the Celtics are a better team than Miami. I think Miami knows it, but I know Spolster is a great coach, and he's probably uh, strategizing on how to win the series. And I think they're hoping, obviously they got to win game five, um, but I, I think they see the series going seven. And it's like he's, uh, he knows what games he has to win. I mean, I can't explain that, that dud they laid last night, but it's, uh, how do you go from one team winning by 30 and the next game the other team winning by 30? Um, I, I know a major difference might be Robert Williams, but I, I think Miami knew they, you know, they wanted the split here just like we wanted the split there. But I think they know we're better than them. And, and Spolster's thinking Miami's best chance will, will be to steal a game seven down there. Um, but Robert Williams sure seems like a difference. Um, out of Bio's numbers are much different when Williams is in the game to when he's not. Yeah, that's a good point. I actually, I didn't mention, I mentioned Robert Williams making a big difference for the Celtics, and I mentioned Adebayo playing really well in Game 3, and then obviously not doing as well in Game 4, but I didn't talk about Robert Williams being the reason. I talked about Miami struggling as a, you know, as a whole with Robert Williams being back, but I didn't highlight the Adebayo-Williams matchup like you did, which honestly is huge. That's a good point. I didn't think of that. Um, so yeah, what do you think of Game 5 tomorrow night? you think the Celtics can win that? They can steal that? I mean... Uh, it's obviously a 2-2 series. It's gone back and forth. What do you think? I'm, I'm amazed. Uh, when, when I woke up and I saw the, the Vegas line, the Celtics were favored in Miami in Game 5. What does that tell you? That tells you that the Celtics are a better team. And I, I think guys like Marcus Smart, who didn't play, Jalen Brown, who did play, are going to come up playing big games tomorrow night in Game 5. And I think the Celtics will win. And I think if that's the case, there's a very good chance... They're going to win it in Game 6 back here in Boston. Again, I think the Celtics are a better team, and they might just prove it tomorrow night. All right, yeah, I think they're the better team, too. It's just about putting it together. Obviously, this series could have been a sweep 4-0 if the Celtics just didn't have two bad quarters in you know, Game 1 and Game 3 that uh, really ruined their chances of winning those two games. Uh, obviously, being outscored 39-18 uh, in Game 3 it was the first quarter of Game 3. Brutal way to start the game. You can't start games on a 39-18 deficit. You're not going to win many games. They did make it close. Six-point game in the end, but uh, you're never going to win many games down by that many points. Um, so you have the Celtics winning in six or seven? 
I'm going to say Celtics in six. I think they're going to win game five. And there's no way they're going to let Miami steal uh, another game in Boston. I mean, the Bucks thought they were going to do it in game seven here, and it just didn't work out, right? Didn't uh, yeah. that happen? Yeah, I, I think the Celtics are going to take it in six. And tomorrow night will be a huge step towards that. Okay. I like it. I like it. Uh, anything else on the Celtics? You want to move to the Sox? Uh, one more thing. I'm very impressed with how Ime has kept this team uh, just firing on, on all cylinders. I know they had a dud, but, I mean, uh, in January, did anyone think they were going to get this far? I mean, he's got them believing in themselves. He's getting production from even even Derek White. I know we picked him up, what, around the trade deadline, yeah. and he didn't have a great playoffs thus far. And he, and he come up huge in Marcus Smart's absence uh, just, just the other night, so... Um, I give Ime a lot of credit, and I want I, I want to also mention that Danny Ainge still should get a lot of credit for putting this team together. I mean, he had home runs with Tatum, Brown, and Robert Williams. Um, tremendous draft picks that you can build. Certainly, Marcus Smart, a, Marcus Smart as well. Marcus Smart. You, you can you can build a championship team around for years. Um, uh, but go Celts. Yeah, and that's the thing with Marcus Smart being hurt, Tyler Hero being hurt. I feel like that's a Thing, two, two important pieces right there. We'll see how both teams recover without both of those guys. But you're right. Yeah. Danny Ainge did build this team, uh, especially Aaron E. Smith off the bench. Purchase, those are guys he drafted. Grant Williams, he drafted all these guys. So it's really every, everyone on this team he put, brought to this team. Except Derek White, yeah. the only piece really right now. Horford, I guess, coming back, you know, was, was Brad, was Brad's, uh, trade right there. But, Huge move as um, well. I think, yeah, I think for the most part, everything was, was Ainge. So you're right. That's a good point. Ainge should get some credit for that. Um, that was Ime Udoka, too, really, you know, to getting the team to recover after a really rough start to the season. Obviously, in January, no one had high hopes for them. I didn't. So, shocked to see where they are now. I didn't either. I, I was surprised. They were floundering around 500, even below at times, behind uh, even the Knicks in the Atlantic Division. Yeah, we were bad. You know, I, I was ready to give up on them. Uh, they, didn't, they weren't playing cohesive basketball, losing to teams that won, like, San eight Antonio games all twice. year. You know, teams that had terrible Detroit. records. I mean, uh, they gave you no feeling that they were going to turn it around, and then... Lo and behold. Uh, lo and behold, is e- Ime uh, has got them focused, playing uh, the best basketball uh, maybe in the whole league for uh, like five months now. Which is nuts. So speaking of good basketball, how about good baseball? The Red Sox, if Rafael Devers hit his 10th home run of the season, 8 nothing Red Sox just hit a solo shot just before we got back on here. Um, hit a solo shot. 390 feet off a 96.2 mile off fastball um, from Jose Ruiz. Uh, Dylan Cease came out of the game. They took him out, pulled the plug on him after 71 pitches, gave up seven runs to the Red Sox and eight hits um, in just three innings. So quick plug uh, for him. Cease is pitching great, too, this season. Uh, so what do you think of the Red Sox, how well they've been playing of late? Obviously, Trevor Story, a guy I've talked about earlier in this show today. Uh, Trevor Story hit a sixth home run in the last five games, which is nuts. Um and then also factor in, Devin's just hitting his 10th home run. This team's just firing in all cylinders right now. What do you think about the Red Sox? I'm very happy with the turnaround. There's another team that was floundering around last place with Baltimore, especially with our payroll. But, I mean, I, I never lost faith in them. Uh, the biggest concern always with me is the pitching, and the pitching's been pretty strong. I mean, the starters uh, have done their job. He, he, I mean, uh, Rich Hill has kept them in games. Walker's been a, a phenom for a $7 million signing, when you think about it. Uh, he was a, a flyer. It's turned out well. Pavetta's turned his game around. He's on his third consecutive start, stoning people. Nine up, nine down right now. Yeah, I'm, amazing. Um, Ivaldi is still your number one. 
His numbers are a little concerning, but I mean, he still has come up big a couple of times, and I think he'll find his game. He's given up too many long balls, but the starting pitching is, is, has been tremendous. The bullpen uh, has been somewhat of a question. I mean, they, they're starting Garrett Whitlock, and I, I, I think if he was the closer for like the last month, they probably would have won half the games that the bullpen had blown. 11 blown saves, number one in the MLB. So there's no way it would have been 11. It would have been half that if Whitlock was out there. I'm not going to question Cora. Um, they must have felt like they needed Whitlock in the rotation, who's had a couple of great starts. But when Locked he starts up. and he, then he gets roughed up, yeah. you don't win with him starting and you don't win with him closing. So yeah. it's kind of a double-edged sword. I wish they left him in the bullpen. I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but it's not too late. Maybe if Paxton is ready, but I don't even think Paxton's ready from what I heard on sale. Um, you, you, you might think about putting uh, Whitlock back in the pen. Um, I knew the bats would come around. I mean, Bogarts and Devers and J.D. pretty much have been the only hitters up until uh, like a week or so ago. And now stories on this Titanic uh, run. Yep. Um, and then you got Franchi Cordero, who's every, every time there's a big hit, it's him. I mean, a yeah. walk-off granny on Sunday. A triple. Tremendous! Uh, on a single, his last three. So the, the, you know, maybe, single tonight too. Maybe they're on a roll that you know they're gonna. They're certainly gaining ground in the American League East. Probably only a handful of games now out of a wild card spot, and the Yankees losing again. Out. So I mean, uh, I, yep. I've enjoyed the climb. Yep, Yankees have lost three in a row right now. Could be four in a row. They're down two runs right now on the top of the seven to the Orioles. The Orioles, I was talking about the Red Sox having an easiest schedule coming up. Obviously, after Chicago, uh, they have Cincinnati and Baltimore. Cincinnati. You know, start of the season, historically, is one of the worst teams in baseball history. But the Orioles have been playing well of late. Four of their last five games have won. This could be five out of six right now if they win today, um, which is nuts. They're playing really good baseball right now, the Orioles, in the last six games if they were to win tonight. so And I, I mentioned earlier in the show that I like Trey Mancini. I like Cedric Mullins. I know you're a fan of both. Um, so I'm happy to see them playing. Well, obviously not against the Red Sox. You don't want that happening. But um, I like seeing them beat the Yankees. Though. It helps us out. I'm very surprised that Baltimore's uh ability to beat the Yankees. They, they, they seem to play their, their division. At least the Red Sox and Yankees tough every year. They're certainly not a cakewalk. And like you said, Mullins is always on base oh, against us. Mancini seems to come up with a clutch hit every series. So, uh, yep. And yep. we got him for five games at the end of the month. I mean, I'd be happy with the 3-2, um, you know, as long as we don't lose ground. But um, uh, they're certainly not uh, a bad team. Yeah, absolutely. So right now, Red Sox up 8 nothing. Uh, Devis is two of three. Bogods is two of two. Everyone in the lineup has a hit right now except Alex Verdugo. It's only the top of the fourth inning. He'll probably end up getting a hit knowing Verdugo. Um, but isn't that nuts? So everyone in the lineup has a hit right now. Only three innings into the game. Uh, Verdugo's only one. He's 0 of two. He got on base with a walk, though. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. even had a double. Yeah, Jackie's starting to hit. They say if he goes the opposite way to left field, he, he becomes a much better hitter. I mean, he's been making great catches all year again. People don't run on him. Um, so if he can bat 250, he, you know, I mean, it'll make the trade look okay, even though uh, Renfro's got a few home runs out. Was he out in Milwaukee? 10. That's a loss. But, I mean, I like the fact that Jackie's going to left field. Um, he's been getting some extra base hits that way now. And and guys like Kike, Hernandez, and Vasquez, I mean, if they can get their averages up to, like, 250, you know, with the other guys hitting over 300, I think we're in very good shape. And, um I like the fact that David Ortiz came out and said the Red Sox have to find a way to keep Bogats and not lose them. Yeah. Uh, so I, I hope High and Bloom and the front office is doing uh, everything they can to 
keep Bogarts and Devis um, for the future. Yeah, absolutely. So actually right now, I had my prediction earlier in the show. I had Dodgers-Angels right now for the World Series. Speaking of the Dodgers, um, right now Mookie Betts hit his second home run of the night. He's had two home runs tonight. He has 18 multi-home run games in the leadoff spot, which is tied right now with George Springer of a second most MLB history. Um, Alfonso Soriano about 19, so Mookie's going to catch him at some point. It's only one game away. Um, but since May 4th, Mookie Betts in the MLB ranks first in home runs with nine, first in RBIs at 24, first in the MLB with 23 runs, first in the slugging percentage with 795 slugging percentage, second in hits with 27, and third in OPS 1.211. Um, I think he's a big reason of the, this Dodgers team. Right now, uh, they struggled actually earlier in the season, like the first week or two of the season. Um, right now, I think he'd be a huge reason if they were to make the World Series. Do you have any predictions for the World Series? Or I know earlier in the year you, you like the Brewers. The Brewers are playing really well. Um, any updates, anyone you like? Well, uh, I'm, I'm impressed with the Yankees, even though they might be slowing down a little. But I, they probably have the best record in baseball. Yeah. Uh, maybe uh, a game within the Dodgers or a game ahead of them, I don't know. But um, if the Yankees can continue having the pitching they have, um, I wouldn't bet against them just yet. Uh, so it would be there. If you want a prediction, I would say probably the Yankees and the Dodgers uh, would meet in the World Series. Yep. All right, so the Yankees are 29-13, and 13, Dodgers are 28-13. So yeah. basically same record, yeah. two best records in the MLB. You like Yankees-Dodgers, you said? That would be my pick on, uh, what's it, May 24th, yeah. May 24th it is. Okay, you got mine right now. The Brewers are a hot team. It's 26-16. and 16. You had them originally, and they're, they're looking good. So um, that's not a bad prediction there. But anything else you want to add in? Um, I hope the Red Sox continue this uh, hot streak. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been real fun to watch. Um, I know they got, we, we think, an easy schedule with Baltimore and Cincinnati coming up. That's eight Eight games, I think, against those two yeah, teams. Four and four, I believe. So I mean, you figure three against Cincinnati, three against Chicago, yeah. and then four and four. So I mean, if we can go like six and two, we're, we're only two games behind Toronto. I mean, it'll be more fun when we can get a lot closer to the Yankees. Maybe put a little pressure on them. Um, so I, I look forward to the Red Sox continue to, you know, mash the cover off the ball and um, just get a little closer to the. Div- Division lead. Yeah. Eight and two over the last 10 games. Red Sox saw nine and three over the last 12. Since Eric Score shaved his beard. Shaved his beard. The season turned around. And the Eucalyptus head wrap that he puts headband. on in the late, headband in the late innings. Um, if we're superstitious, you got to like those two signs. <laughs> yeah. If he puts that on his head and we keep hitting, I mean, hey, we're going to gonna win more ball games, Before right? It remains clean shaven, yes. <laughs> hey, that's the key to success right there. I know also, really quick, NHL playoffs. Uh, I mentioned earlier in my show, you like the Rangers, right? The Rangers playing tonight. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wasn't that impressed with Carolina. I mean, the Bruins took them to the last few seconds. Five minutes left in Game 7, and the Bruins might have stole that game in Carolina. Yep, absolutely. Right? So uh, I think the Rangers can, you know, if they pull even tonight 2-2, I'll take them in a two-out-of-three series against Carolina. The Rangers got firepower. They got a decent goalie. Um, yep. And that's what it takes to win in the playoffs. Well, I had the Rangers in my prediction tonight. My, the Rangers in seven over Carolina. Well, look at this. The Rangers are up four to one right now. Two wow. minutes to go in the third period. So great, great momentum um, going into Game Five. Then two straight, right? It would be yeah. I two mean, Car- home wins. Carolina probably hasn't lost at home all playoffs yet, right? So yeah, the Rangers certainly make a statement now, scoring four goals. No, I don't think so. Four goals that. tonight. Take that momentum into Game Five in Carolina. They steal that game. I like their chances a lot more. 
Yeah. And hey, speaking of uh, the Rangers, former uh, Harvard hockey player Adam Fox had to go and assist in tonight's game. Uh, Frank Vitrano, former, former Bruin, go and assist in tonight's game. Uh, and then also Chris Kreider, former BC Eagle. Four shots on goal, didn't score tonight. But what do you have this year? 50 goals? 50 goals. Amazing for a kid from BC. Very 31 years old, too. His, pro- uh, his production this year. 52 goals, 25 points Amazing. for 77 points. Boston College's own Chris Kreider. We love him. You love your BC hockey, don't you? Love the BC hockey team. Yes, and we wish Greg Brown success uh, as he starts his, uh, puts in his imprint on this hockey team, becoming the new head coach. He has big shoes to fill, um, but the talent seems to be there. I think he's going to you know, uh, be a very, um, you know, very strict coach, maybe with discipline. Um, but I think you know, if, if they can reload this year, get some good goaltending, They'll be right back where they belong, you know, in the uh, Frozen Four tournament. Definitely. It's tough to replace a guy like Jerry York, though, especially with how historic he was for not only BC, but college hockey in general. He's sports, college sports in general. Great guy, too. Amazing record for his career, especially at BC. What was he hit, like 28 years? Yep, 28 years. Seemed like we were in the tournament every year once they got going. I mean, they won three titles, national championships in five years. I mean, he had the talent with Johnny Hockey, Johnny Gaudet, who's doing good with Calgary. Nathan Gerby. Johnny Gaudreau. Adam yeah. Gaudet, you think, yeah. and Well, right. both. Both right. Boston. Yeah. Right. Um, both former Boston uh, college hockey York players. York was a class York guy Eastern on hockey and, and off the ice. Uh, I meant hockey in Boston. You know, I you. I not, yeah, didn't mean BC. No, Northeastern. I mean, Gaudet. Hockey East guy's doing well. That's what I meant. There you go. You drove it. Um, but yeah, so Greg Brown, former BC Eagle himself. I'm looking at um, some of his stats right here. He had 10 goals in his freshman year at BC in 1986. I know you followed BC hockey for forever, so you probably heard the name definitely. Yep. Um, that's the thing. They play in the NHL as well, so he has some experience. And obviously bringing that into such a historic program like BC, um, he's going to be coaching. Kids are going to be in the NHL in a year or two, so they're going to be happy they have a coach that's done it. It's not like they're bringing in a random guy, uh, but replacing Jerry York is not easy at all. No, it's impossible. Uh, I think Brown is, is going to work hard. Um, and the fact that he was here as a player, and I think he was one of York's uh, number one assistants he for was. years, yep, yep, is going to help him in the long run. Um, again, York was a class guy, is a class guy, on and off the ice. I, I haven't any, heard, ever heard anyone say a bad word about him. Yeah, I've, I've met him probably five, six times walking around camps over the last three years, two years, really, freshman year and junior year, and he was always a nice guy. always said hello. He said, hey, how are you doing? What's going on? Stay warm, he said, when it was snowing out once. He's a good guy. He always said hello and yeah, uh, wish him nothing but the best in retirement. I'm sure he'll be back yeah, in a game. I'm sure he'll be back watching games over pot. at the Kelly Rink in the, the bean pot at the garden, yes. He'll be there. Anyways, hey, anything else you want to add in? I'm, I'm set. That's it. Hey, thank you so much for coming on. Paul from Southie, one last time. I appreciate it, Paul. Thank you. All right. We'll talk again, Joe. Thanks. It was a pleasure having Paul from Southie come on to the show. Gave great insight into not only BC hockey, but the Red Sox, the Celtics, his World Series predictions, the NHL playoffs. I mean, he just knows everything sports. Um, so it's great having him come on. Boston sports fanatic, knows everything. Uh, he's like an encyclopedia. So I appreciate it. Thank you, Paul, for coming on. Um, speaking of the Red Sox, though, really quick, want to just read off a um, quick Pete Abraham uh, stat that he just wrote. Um, he said... The Red Sox have scored 89 runs in their last 13 games, counting tonight, and that's six fewer than they did in their first 29 games, which is nuts. Nuts how, how well the Red Sox are playing. As I said, 12 was the, was the uh, magic number for the Red Sox. Now it's 13. The last 13 games, things have just been turning around. Really happy for them. Uh, they've been playing really well, uh, really good baseball. Hopefully they can stay hot and keep it up. The Sox need it. 
So lastly, I just want to close out this uh, first episode uh, by highlighting Northeastern Baseball. Um, they will be playing tomorrow uh, against William & Mary uh, in the CAA tournament, the first game. It is double elimination, um, which is nice. Uh, they will be playing tomorrow at noon um, at Elon Stadium in North Carolina against William & Mary. William & Mary finished the regular season on an eight-game winning streak, and they also took two of three from the Huskies at Friedman Diamond earlier this season. Um, so hopefully it's a different story tomorrow for Northeastern. Uh, before I break down uh, the last few games for Northeastern, I just wanted to say it was a pleasure being able to go to as many Northeastern games as I did this year. Um, I just want to thank Rob DiLoretto uh, for always being the GOAT and someone to talk to in every game. Uh, it was a privilege and honor being able to talk with you uh, every single game, Coach. Um, and also it was a privilege and honor also to talk with uh, both of Mike Sirota's parents. Uh, so thank you all uh, for making this season an enjoyable one um, and something I always look forward to. I look forward to every single weekend watching uh, Northeastern Games of Friedman Diamond and also uh, on Flow Sports. So uh, thank you guys again. Um, one of the most electric moments of the season uh, did happen in a Northeastern loss, which was tough, but um, in a 3-2 game, Northeastern was down 3-2 on Saturday, on the Saturday before Senior Day against UNCW. Uh, Northeastern uh, sent up to the plate Jeff Costello, uh, who came up to the plate, smoked a two-run shot to left field to give Northeastern a 4-3 lead in the bottom of the 8th. Uh, Northeastern ended up losing uh, that match, but that was a moment to remember. Electric moment at Freeman Diamond. I was psyched. Probably the most electric moment I've been a part of uh, with Northeastern baseball. It was awesome. Such a great sight to see. Obviously, Northeastern lost, but uh, at the end of the day, they still made the CAA tournament, so uh, there's no worries at the end of the day there. Uh, as long as they make it into the tournament, anything can happen now since everyone's 0-0. Um, so after the last uh, home weekend series against UNCW, Northeastern uh, still just needed one win. Uh, in their final series against Delaware uh, to make it into the CAA tournament. Um, and of course, as always, sports, it always comes down to the last game. Uh, comes down to the last game last Saturday uh, with the season on the line. Uh, sophomore pitcher Eric Yost start, started on the mound for Northeastern. Um, it took care of business. He pitched really well. Do a die game for the skis, and Yost got it done. Um, Northeastern found themselves down 1 nothing in the third inning, uh, but ended up scoring eight unanswered uh, straight, un- unanswered scoreless. Uh, actually, after that inning, they gave up a run in the third, and Northeast was scoreless after that. Scored eight straight runs unanswered um, to win the game 8-1. to one. Um, Danny Cross had a huge RBI double in the fifth inning. Uh, Jeff Costello followed it up with the uh, two-run RBI double to right center. Um, I believe, if I remember right, um, Northeastern scored. It was a 1-1 game um, up until the seventh inning. Yes, Northeastern scored seven runs in the top of the eighth inning. Um, so Cross had that double to tie the game in the fifth inning. Um, and then Jeff Costello in the eighth inning got the runs going for Northeastern. They end up scoring seven runs in the eighth. Uh, Jeff Costello, as I said, two-run double to right center. Uh, later on, Danny Crossan got up again, actually, in the same inning. Uh, had a huge sack fly to score Corey DiLoretto um, in. Corey DiLoretto actually reached base twice to the walk that game uh, to make it a 5-1 to one game. Um, and then to put the exclamation point on the game, uh, Buddy Maroka, the former Harvard and uh, Harvard hockey and baseball player, who's a two-sport athlete at Harvard, uh, walked up to the plate and hammered a three-run home run for his first career home run as a Husky. Um, put the exclamation point of the game, gave Northeast an 8-1 to win, which was huge. Eric Yost went six innings, allowing three hits um, and one earned run, unearned run, excuse me, um, striking out seven while walking three batters. Um, Yost lowered his ERA in the year to 1.84, had a fantastic sophomore season. Um, Jordy Atwood was stellar, uh, stellar in relief once again. Um, he went three scoreless innings, uh, striking off four Delaware hitters. Adley picked up his fourth win of the season, um, so which was huge for him. Um, so Wednesday, as I said, tomorrow at noon, Northeast will be facing William & Mary um, in the first game of the CAA tournament. 
Um, it's double elimination, as I said, so uh, not completely do or die, but I'd love to get a win, obviously, and start hot. Hopefully, Mike Sirota is back in the lineup for the Huskies. Um, I had a pleasure of meeting Mike Sirota and Corey DiLoretto on scene today, um, a little over a week ago now. Um, two great players and two nice guys as well. Wishing them and the Huskies nothing but the best in the CAA tournament. Um, Mike Sirota hasn't played, actually, since April 22nd. Uh, would be great for the Huskies to have him back in the lineup. Um, he had a six-game six hitting streak uh, right before the injury, um, and obviously, I've Covered him a ton in my uh, sports radio show at BC. Um, he's a huge part of this Northeastern lineup. Uh, just like Corey DiLoretto. I've said it a ton before. Um, but the lineup in general was not the same without Mike Sirota and Corey DiLoretto. Uh, both missing games. Obviously, guys did step up. Uh, Max Vieira got hot. Spencer Smith got hot um, in their absences. Um, J.P. Elson's had a terrific season uh, for Northeastern hitting-wise. He's, he's been playing great. Um, but that's the thing. Guys did step up, but I feel like the best lineup you're going to have is when Sirota and DiLoretto are in the lineup. Um, so hopefully Sirota's back in the lineup tomorrow. Um, Mike has had a fantastic uh, freshman season, and, and, and as I said, uh, Northeastern would love to have him back. He hit .326 um, in the regular season, uh, .922 OPS, hit four home runs, uh, hit 20 guys across the plate, 20 RBIs, um, and also had 10 stolen bases in 37 games. Fantastic love in the outfield as well. Um, He'll be playing this summer for Brewster, actually, in the Cape Cod League. And I look forward to recapping some games on here um, for him this season. Um, I've said a ton before, though, and this Northeastern team, they have what it takes. They really do. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing them get hot, hopefully, in the CAA tournament. Obviously, it didn't all come together um, this year. They ended, up did go, they ended up going on like a five or six-game win streak at one point at the end of the season. But they didn't put it completely together like they did in the 2021 season where they won you know 20-plus games in a row. Uh, but I'll tell you this, though. Um, I really do think they have what it takes. If I had to guess right now, uh, I think Wyatt Scott will be on the mound uh, tomorrow for Northeastern versus William Mary. He did pitch against them earlier in the year, went eight innings, struck out seven guys, and allowed four hits um, and two runs while walking none um, on April 3rd uh, to give Northeastern a huge 3-2 to two win over the Tribe. Um, and... Let me see. He's on the year seven and three, two five seven ERA. It obviously be a huge opportunity for him to get Northeastern a huge win to start um, the CAA tournament if he is indeed on the mound um, and delivers against the Tribe again. I'd love to see him there uh, on the hill for a big game. Um, anyways, uh, Corey DiLoretto, one guy I want to highlight really quick again. He had a great senior season. Um, he did miss seven games with an injury, but is still playing right now with the torn ligament in his thumb. He's as tough as they come, just like his father, Rob DiLoretto, head coach Everett High Football. Um, Everett High Football, widget powerhouse and cream of the high school uh, football crop. Had him on my radio show, uh, my last episode actually at BC for the semester he came on. Um, so thank you again, Rob, for always coming on. I really do appreciate it. Um, looking forward to hopefully seeing Sirota back in the lineup. It would be great. Huge fuel for that Northeastern team. Um, I know every game is great to watch when Sirota's in the lineup, especially um, when everyone's healthy. I feel like this Northeastern lineup, they haven't really had a healthy lineup in However, it was long, you know, since DiLoretto got hurt and then Sirota got hurt. So hopefully everyone's back for tomorrow. Would be a great uh, way for Northeastern to um, get back to the NCAA tournament. Obviously, last year, Northeastern won the CAA tournament um, over UNCW and punched a ticket to the NCAA tournament. Um, they, used to, they used to play in the big games. Northeastern does not shy away from big games. I think they could do it. They have everything it takes, um, as we've seen with them beating and sweeping number eight, 
the number eight team in the country, NC State, at NC State earlier this year. Um, they also handed number 15 uh, team in the country, Clemson, their first loss this season, and also beat number 13 uh, team in the country, uh, UConn, uh, at UConn two to three weeks ago now. Uh, they play great small ball, can play elite defense, um, can pitch better than any team in this tournament. Um, records don't matter when you make the playoffs. Everyone's 0-0. It's just all about putting it together. And at the end of the day, the way I see it is why not us? Let's go get them, boys. Let's go get us a W tomorrow. Start the CAA tournament hot. Looking forward to it. Roll skis as always. Um, can't wait to see them get going. Hopefully uh, start this, this tournament tomorrow uh, with a win. would be a huge way to get things going. Then again, I mean, it could be Kim Schlittler on the mound um, instead of Wyatt Scotty. Um, could be Eric Yost. I mean, who knows? Uh, we know Mike Glavin always um, tries to put uh, his team in the best position to win. So whoever he thinks uh, can give the team the best chance to win, that's who will be on the mound. So I'm looking forward to seeing who that is. Um, Rolskis, best of luck tomorrow, boys. Go get him for me. Um, hopefully bring us home a win. Hopefully bring home another CAA tournament. We'll love to see us back in the NCAA tourney. Um, anyways, to close up the show, uh, I'll check in with the Red Sox one last time. Uh, they've been hot tonight, 16-2 to right now. They are winning right now over the White Sox. It's only the fifth inning, too. 16-2, to top of the fifth. Red Sox are up. Christian Vasquez just hit a two-run shot. Um, excuse me, a three-run shot um, to center field. Um, Frigi Coderos, hot. He had a single. Every Red Sox player in the lineup has a hit right now. Um, Vasquez is 3-4. of four. Coderos, 2-4. of four. Story's 2-4. of four. Uh, for Dugo and Bogots, the only guys with only one hit in the lineup. Um, Martinez is three of three. Devis is two of four. Uh, Hernandez is two of four. Cordero's two of two. With also uh, a couple walks for Cordero as well. One walk for Cordero, so he's three of three times on base. Jackie Bradley Jr. has even got two hits. I mean, this team's hot right now. This Red Sox team, no one wants to face them. They're 19-22 right now. Looking at 20-22 and after this win right now. Things are looking up for this Sox team. Uh, I was talking about the Orioles and the Yankees um, earlier in the show, probably about 10, 15, 20 minutes ago now. The Yankees actually are tied now, 5-5. Big for them. You know, they needed to get get back in this game. Uh, The Yankees scored two runs in the seventh inning, the bottom of the seventh, uh, to tie the game at five apiece. Now it's on the top of the tenth, 5-5 with the Orioles. See who wins that game. Should be a good one to see the end of. Um, Anyways, just want to close it out by saying – I apologize once again before I close out. I apologize for all the statistics um, I've given in this episode. I, I really did have fun um, exploring the baseball reference page um, to look over every Red Sox player's stats over the last 10 or so games um, and crunching all the numbers up from the game logs and uh, seeing you know how well they've been hitting average-wise, home runs-wise, comparing the Red Sox uh, runs in the first 29 games of the season compared to the last 12, now the last 13 games with how well they've been hitting tonight. Um, I really did have fun doing that. Um, so I'm sorry for all the analytics. Um, I really did have uh, a good time exploring and diving into that um, and surfing into uh, the Red Sox game logs. Uh, what really surprised me most was uh, the breakdown of, the breakdown of Matt Bonds' numbers um, after the July 2021 extension he got from High and Bloom. Um, I found all that through filtering uh, Matt Bonds' appearances um, from July 11th to today. Um, it's just crazy um, how much a fall-off he had, but... Um, I'd say that was another thing. So I used fan graphs and I also used uh, baseball references to find all these. And some of these things come from, you know, some of the stats is, stats come from uh, Pete Abraham and Rob Bradford and Alex Spear and Chris Smith and Chris Cotillo. Um, I always shout them out and, uh, and, and give credit where it's due. 
So to close out this episode, I just want to thank every single one of you guys for listening. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the first episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast. Uh, as I said before, I'm your host, Joey Maylari. Um, it's a pleasure being able to do this, and I really hope you guys enjoyed um, listening to a breakdown of the Red Sox, Northeastern Baseball, the Celtics, the NHL playoffs. Even had a guest appearance on from Paul from Southie uh, come into the show and uh, talk about BC hockey and the Celtics and the Red Sox. Um, so hopefully you guys really enjoyed this. Um, I did have a lot of fun breaking down a lot of these statistics, the Red Sox. Um, so I should be back on again next week. Um, as I said, I'm hopefully going to do this once a week. Um, who knows if Northeastern goes on a huge run this weekend, um, in the CAA tournament, maybe I'll be doing this, uh, again, after the CAA tournament really soon. Uh, hopefully they get going there. Um, and you can get, uh, bring home a win, bring home a CAA championship back, uh, to Huntington Ave. Um, and then hopefully the Red Sox keep staying strong and even the Celtics, you know, I'll be back on definitely, um, at least a week from now, I'll have at least another episode out. And as I said, I'm hopefully going to have, um, some guests come onto the show as well, uh, to come on and talk, uh, sports with me, whether it's, you know, the Red Sox, Celtics, NBA playoffs, all that, um, looking forward to it. So thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate it. Hope you stay safe. Hope you stay well. I appreciate it again. Thank you guys so much. Have a good one. Take it easy. See you guys again soon. Thank you.